And good morning once again. We are back. Properly socially distant podcasting. What? I can't hear you. Yes, uh, we are not dead. We are still kicking and still podcasting. Unfortunately, the rest of the world has stopped for the time being. So today is going to be um, uh, more bullshit than normal, probably. Um, and uh, we are taking charge of this first segment because... But before you start that, I, just, I do have one gripe. What you got? Everyone's supposed to be staying home. My 30-minute drive... Nobody's staying home! <laughs> My 30-minute drive here with, like, no one on the road. <laughs> Still stuck behind some jackass <laughs> doing 10 miles an hour under the speed limit. Oh, my God, I was losing I'm my mind. I'm sure he was going to get tested <laughs> or doing something essential. Probably going out to find masks, which are nowhere, but I'm sure he wasn't going to stop. Um, how's your toilet paper stockpile going? Do you have enough to last for... Luckily, I... <laughs> Luckily, I, I hit, like, a Costco thing before all this happened, just... That's what I do. I buy one big package. It lasts me for six months, and I'm good. I'm at like five and a half months. <laughs> so it's like I got some for a while now. I'm I'm good, but it's like I still can't believe that there's nothing like there's not a toilet paper shortage. They're still making like production still 100. <laughs> percent You know they haven't stopped. Like okay, we got to back off the toilet paper here. Drive up demand. <laughs> cleaning stuff I get. Okay, people are, are just going for cleaning stuff. It's toilet paper. Hand sanitizer is one thing. That's what I'm saying. I can yeah. understand it. It's toilet paper. Although now, you know, you'll notice now that people, people, are, people are bringing out, they're rolling out the, uh, the homemade sanitizer, the homemade hand sanitizer. So, you know, instead of getting the nice gel, which doesn't go everywhere, you get people like, here, try this. Yeah. And it's, you know, open the cap off of it. And you just, well, God, what is it? And they're like, oh, it's moonshine and rubbing alcohol. Here, turpentine. Yeah, turpentine. <laughs> it's got some gasoline and it kills everything. Yeah, it's, I don't know. It's craziness. Well, it, we are going to do our best to uh, steer clear uh, and keep things on the lighter side because we always do. Um, speaking of, <laughs> I watched a, a, a forgotten, as, as far as I'm concerned, it's a forgotten car movie classic last week. What's that? It is mid seventies. It is hillbilly theater. Is it set in the mid or was it made in the mid? Made in the mid seventies. Okay. Set in the mid seventies, like all the greatest movies were. <laughs> Hal Needham directing behind the camera. Burt Reynolds on uh, Burt Reynolds assisting and leading. White Lightning. Okay. One of, the, one of the greatest. One of the greatest car movies. Yeah. In the in the mid seventies hillbilly theater run of popularity. Got to be honest, never seen it. To include, well, you, you might have, you know, Smokey and the Bandit. Of course. Gator, yeah, maybe. Yeah. White Lightning. Those were the, kind of the three big Burt Reynolds, yeah, yeah. Hal Needham. I'm familiar with them. I just, I, just, I just haven't seen it. This was when the car was really, the, the car was the star, to use yeah, a yeah. cliche. You know, it wasn't just, it wasn't just like in modern movies where the guy's kind of like driving an old car, yeah. maybe ironically. This was a, you know, a car movie where it wasn't just the, the, the shape of the car on screen that was enough. The actors were actually talking about it. Oh, yeah. it's a Ford something. Yeah. Open the hood. Oh, look at that. There's a big yeah. block in it. You know, that was what was important about the car. Yeah. No, it's just the, the look. But Burt Reynolds, uh, everyone knows him for the black Trans Am, smoking the Bandit thing. Gotcha. But in, in my humble opinion... And, and it's it's quite far from humble, really, because uh, you are an arrogant. I, I really, I really <laughs> do put my foot down and tap the table when I'm getting uh, uh, antsy about it. Four twenty nine, big block, Shelby tuned, FE motor, 
in a brown LTD, 71 LTD, mm -hmm. black wheels, little police police dog hubcaps on it, four speed on the floor. It's one of the greatest cars in any movie. Now there are great cars and great movies, but this is proper old school, just hot rod. And of course it's a, it's a, it's a car made before uh, computer graphics and, and stuntmen were really a profession. So it gets driven, you know, hard yeah. in the movie. Uh, but I, I still say I, I put it above the I put it above the green Mustang from Bullet. I put it above the the um, be, 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 be. other stuff. Today, Junior. I put it above that <laughs> because it's a it is it's you know. No, I mean yeah, sure, but I argue. Now this is going completely different direction with it. Would be the Jeep Wagoneer in uh, the Great Outdoors with John mm -hmm. Candy. Mm -hmm. That is a beautiful red cherry Wagoneer. And a great movie, too. Right? Still holds up. Still holds up. Survived the bear attack. He did. <laughs> he did. And actually, if you are a, if you're a big fan of, uh, of the movie and TV from Down Under, from that part of the world, um, of course, you, you'll know the Crocodile Dundee and you'll know the, yeah. the big stuff. But uh, do you, if, you're, if, you're a, a young, if you're of the younger generation, you might know a name, Reese Darby. No. You know, you heard you got, he's a comedic actor from New Zealand, but he's also a he's also a pretty decent car guy because he does this little comedy series. Drives a really cool old Land Cruiser. Drives a, at one point drives a uh, early early Wagoneer, um, and I don't you know more about the early early Wagoneers than I do because I don't really get into them on this until they got the fake wood sticker on the side. See, that's why I stopped looking at. Yeah, I know <laughs> you, you would know this one because this one's got four. It's got big headlights in the front. It's the four. They're circular. Yeah. You know, they're not square. Yeah. There's not much chrome. It's just like kind of like a white, you know, refrigerator white color. Like, yeah. Can't tell much about it. You don't see it for very long. They don't change much. Yeah. I mean, from like '63 to '75, they're virtually unchanged. <laughs> now, it's, I will say that on screen, and this may be a, an audio thing, but it does sound like a diesel too. I mean, you can hear it drive up. It's Australian. Yeah, anything's possible. Okay. Or it could just be, you know, the engine ready to explode. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> Those old AMC's rattle. Yeah. Well, I mean, from the exterior, it's it's really hard to tell with the early mm -hmm. Wagoneers and mm -hmm. stuff because, like, literally from when it was made, I think '63 is the first year, all the way up until the '80s when it switched to basically. I think like the last couple of years, it looked like a. Uh, a Cherokee, like a, yeah. an XJ Cherokee, but really for, for 20, 30 years, the body panels are all the same. Yeah, you, you can take one from an '81 and put it on a '65. But early, early on, they were were they built on like a military? Were they military based, no. or were they just was always a civilian? Like yeah, it was always civilian. Gotcha. The only thing that is, is military was the obviously the the original was it the CJ two? Mm -hmm. No, it's the MB. And then I think it's the CJ2A, no, the civilian Jeep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The MB. Yeah. And then, uh, I think it's in the 60s, they had the, during the Kaiser era, they had the M715, which has the the awesome, like, rhino grill in it and stuff like that in the military. That's a cool thing, convertible. I thought that you know. was where the Wagoneer came from. Uh, no, the, I think, like, the Gladiator came from the M715. Gotcha. And then... The Gladiator, the Wagoneer, they're, and event, uh, later the uh, the Cherokee, mm -hmm. they're all built on the same platform. Mm -hmm. the, 
You can take a front fender from a Wagoneer. Actually, my Gladiator, my 72, has Wagoneer front fenders that we grafted on the flares onto because mine are rotted out and those are the only ones we could find. Got it. So they, they will go together. Got it. Um, yeah, they're, they're literally all the same. So I'll give you John Candy's Wagoneer. That's a great one. And what's your other underground movie cars? Because everybody knows. I don't know movie, if I would call. Like, every, well, everybody knows certain movie cars. You know, let's, yeah, let's, can uh, you call. The Fast and the Furious has their cars. I mean, everybody knows that crap. But let's talk about because you know one of mine that nobody knows about. Ninety-five, I think. Bill Paxton, Helen Hunt classic, Twister. That's a haunch of J10. Bill, Bill, but Bill Paxton drives the baddest ass Dodge pickup in that thing too. It's a red fifteen uh, hundred. It's yeah. just a regular, you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. Mon- I mean, it's got roll bars, KC lights on it, tires. It was cool. back See, in the day. When awesome. I watched that movie, when I, I was walked. ten seeing that movie. <laughs> Man. When I watch that movie, I watch it the, the, the first 15, 20 minutes before they <laughs> destroyed that honcho. It's a J10 honcho there. So yeah. Step sides and everything. There's some great ones. There yeah. are great there are great movie cars oh, that yeah. people have completely forgotten about. Yeah. Um, in fact, uh, another stealthy Jeep that yeah. most people don't know about, um, Point Break. The original one with uh, Keanu. Oh, really? And all them. Uh, Swayze's Buddies. No, not Swayze's Buddies. It's... Uh, the house they raid where everything goes to shit. Um, in, it's like the quintessential scene where they're standing up in the bed and they drive like into the dude's front lawn and mm-hmm. they all hop out and stuff. That's an M750. So what is what is your like? What, if you had to pick a movie scene, and maybe you can do this off the fly. Maybe you need some homework time. Is there is there a scene like a still shot from a movie or a movie in itself where you're like, that is the baddest. That's the best a Jeep has ever looked. You know, is there a shot where they're like. Where they got it, you know, where you just like it explains the Jeep mystique. I mean, there's off the top of my head, I would say that the the J10 Honcho mm-hmm. and Twister, it just looks cool. You know, it's simple, it's not crazy, it it, it looks old and, and beat up, and, and that's what they are. Um, I remember that it was yellow with a black stripe. No, it was like it was yellow with I think blue. Some blue, blue striping, stripe. maybe some blue and white striping or whatever the hell Jeep. it was. But, yeah, because Jeeps aren't in a hell of a lot of movies. Not really. Unless you know? it's an army, you know, military thing. Even then. Because then it's a Hummer. Or, yeah, it's, or, it's an old, you know. Or it's a Chevy, yeah. you know, square body thing or something like that. But, yeah, I mean, that's probably one of my favorite That's movies. a tough question to put you on the spot with. I mean, I realize so Jeep, it's a, because, you know, Like I said, Jeep's not really prevalent. Exactly. I mean, the first movie, that, the, the first time I ever wanted a lowrider was Cheech and Chong. <laughs> you know, I wanted a brown 64 Impala yeah. on Supremes just because I saw that movie. I was like, that's it. That's what Lowriders are. That's yeah. the coolest thing. And I didn't know if there was a movie that did that for Jeep. Is there, I don't know, the, there's one, because there's one that does it. The movie that did it for me uh, for Range Rovers was uh, Clear and Present Danger. Tom Clancy, yeah. you know, early, yeah, yeah, early yeah. 90s movie when Harrison Ford <coughs> steps out of that Range Rover, you know, it's just like, that was it. Just looked yeah. like power on screen. Okay, know? Black Range Rover. Yeah, you know. I mean, I would have to say it was. It was probably Twister. Mm-hmm. Plus, Helen Hunt was really hot. She was really hot. Yeah, it was Hel- yeah, that was. Yeah, that was during the. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, what was her TV show? That was Mad About Mad You. About you, Helen Hunt. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. That was in her her glory days. That's the only time Mad About You will ever get mentioned on this podcast. <laughs> Congratulations. But there are some. I mean, there are there are. You know, I think now. 
that there are movies like Baby Driver and the have you seen Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? The new I haven't yet. Well, there there now there are there are movies where you know they just stuff them full of cars. I mean, yeah. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is great for the car guy because it's got everything in it and yeah. it's all period. You know, mm-hmm. back in the day you had you know you'd see a really cool car in a movie. If, and one of my favorites is French Connection because there's so many shots of just cityscapes. You know, yeah. and you can pause it and look for all the all the cars parked on the street, but they weren't being celebrated. Yeah. You know, it was just we need a shot of the city street it's yeah. filled with cars. Cool. Yeah. But I love doing that now. You know, because a lot of them you don't even see anymore. I mean, I was watching something the other day. And I paused it in a, a, an AMC Matador wagon was dr- driving by the screen. Like, <laughs> Most people won't even recognize. That's the only that. time I'll see one of those. But it's it's you know I, I like those I like those older movies partially because you know and I think everyone who is who is a car guy and a movie person which is a huge a lot of intersectionality there yeah bullet you know the, oh, yeah. the fastback Mustang and he and Steve McQueen just romps on it yeah none of that there's no computer aided anything yeah I mean, the stunts were the stunts and I think the last movie that I really I really enjoyed that approach to was the the Bond. Uh, the James Bond movies because they're still they still like to you know More practical effects I think they call it yeah they yeah exactly they really do it yeah exactly they really get out there and do it and it you know and I I mean it's sad you know it's it's tough to have to sacrifice cars for a movie like that but it's also yeah but at least authentic feeling for a movie it's like five or six yeah I think for Dukes of Hazard TV show <laughs> I think they destroyed I think it's like 300 chargers they destroyed yeah it's like oh <laughs> god damn well it's funny it's funny you mentioned that because there was a great article the other day on one of the movie blog you know things if you just reading through the internet and it was comparing the the Dukes of Hazard TV show to Magnum P.I. because apparently they were on around the same time sure you know very popular shows around the same time period, and they said that you know one of the threads in Magnum PI that was really interesting was always the fact that you know you saw Mag- you saw Tom Selleck cruising around Hawaii in a Ferrari. That was you know yeah. part of the show. But then if you were a fan of the show, you always knew that he was having to fix it, tune it up, put gas in it, and it was just bleeding and dry. That was part of the humor. Of oh, the show. was it? But the, they said that I read. I read that it said that the producers for these two shows kind of knew each other, and they were like, "Well, on one hand, we're always just on this. You know, we're treating cars and gas like they're free yeah. on Dukes of Hazard, whereas Magnum. So on Magnum PI, we always show people like, yeah, you okay. can tear around. You know, you can tear around your TV show in a hot car, but you know, it's going to yeah. cost money. Yeah. Which and I thought that That's was really cool. interesting. Yeah. I never thought about that um, because yeah, I mean that, that a 308. I think it was a 308 Ferrari in Magnum. You're, you, were you a Magnum guy? No, I've I've never seen that show. It's a great show. Not there there. It's a it's a it's a car show if you like a you know Tom Selleck and a Ferrari kind yeah. of thing. But it doesn't really do a lot of. It's car stuff. You know, take the A team and then you know take all the plots of the A team or whatever. <laughs> yeah, know, yeah, exactly. But it's really fun to watch because you know he does. Mm-hmm. Hey, fifty dollars a spark plug and you know <laughs> what the what the yeah <laughs> yeah. And I love it for that reason. I do yeah. love it. There's not a, I, there's not a lot of attention paid That's to that kind of maintenance. Yeah. Um, especially, you know, and then, and again, you have to think that was that was pre-internet. So owning, you know, if you if you had a car like that. Yeah. No, was that a at the time? Was that a classic car? Was that a modern car? Well, I think they shot it when it was like a two or three year old okay. used car. Because I do remember they used two. The first one. Um, 
So it's a mid eighties so, Ferrari. Yeah, early okay. eighty mid and everyone it's it's and it was one of the it was kind of like in the in the US it was kinda of like James Bond with the Aston Martin. It, it kinda of introduced the car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And everybody if you see one now you probably oh that's the old Magnum PI Ferrari. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I gotcha. Yeah, but they were cars were junk. Oh were they? Oh yeah, they were just terrible. But that was, I mean, that's still expensive. Still expensive, and that, that was one of the things. That was, you know, corollary to my point was the fact that if you had one of those, it wasn't like this thing's making a funny noise. Google, why is my Ferrari making a yeah. funny noise? It was, you know, paying the guy to look after your car, whatever yeah. he wanted. Yeah, yeah, that was. Yeah, and people forget now that it was really tough a long time ago when. Not even that long ago, really. Not really either. Yeah. You did twenty years ago. Mm-hmm. You know, two thousand. I remember 2000. Mm-hmm. You had the internet. You didn't have Google yet. You still had AOL, and search engines back then were it was chaotic. It was, you know, because you didn't have everything set down. I think it was Google was the first one to, and that's why they, they exploded, was to prioritize websites by hits. And so, what was the first time that you were ever able to to solve a car problem thanks to the internet? Your car specific problem? Like, what was the first? Yeah, like the first time the internet helped you own a car. Uh, I, I don't know. Really? Off the top of my head, I can't remember. I do remember it actually. What's that? Because this was, well, it was, uh, let's see, <clears throat> 02, 03. I, hadn't, I, didn't, I didn't even have my driver's license yet. I was driving, uh, I was driving around with my, oh man, learner's permit, driving around dad's old diesel Mercedes. That's what we were doing. Yeah. And the thing uh, started to shake, you know, it, we'd come down to a, come to a stop and it was, it was, well, I didn't know this at the time because I was 15, but it was the transmission mount going bad. And of course, when, you know, a mount starts to go bad in, in a diesel car, everything shakes. <laughs> it's, a, it's a rock crusher. Yeah. And so we got home and, and, you know, my dad gets a flashlight out. He loved doing this, you know, floor jack comes out. Here we go. <laughs> We're going to go look at and, and of course me being a smart ass teenager, I'm like, well, dad, haven't you heard of the internet? We'll just ask <laughs> And of course, you know, the, and he didn't believe me. He's like, well, you know, I really, you know, can't read everything you read on there. But the first thing that popped up was a great, you know, Mercedes just forum wow. and the old, the old style, you know, yeah. thousands and thousands of responses. But it was interesting because that was that was the moment when I was kind of like, oh, car owning is not a, it's not like a solitary pursuit anymore, you know? Because I, I yeah. do remember, especially my dad with his Mercedes, the first, the, the most important part about about owning one of those cars was not just going to like buy the car, it was making sure that you had, you know, all the manuals for it yeah. because, you know. It, it was weird, you know. The vac, the, the door locks were not electric; they were vacuum operated. Everything was vacuum. It was weird, <laughs> you know. So you had to know, you had to have yeah. that info. But and now we have the internet that tells you everything, <sighs> and you got people like me who are buying re repop service manuals. Eight my Jeep Wagoneer is eight hundred <laughs> page service manual, like a technical service manual, like from the factory. To go to dealerships for their technicians, seventy-five bucks for a repop one of those. It's worth it. I don't need the internet. Are you kidding? I got my my book. That's right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> you buy that black CJS entry? 
You should have bought that truck. No, I, you kept. I said I want. It was in Virginia. I wanted. All you had to do was go to Virginia. I wanted cheap but running, and you send me. I sent you both. You, you sent me like two or three links. One of them didn't have an engine. One of them was rotted to shit. So. And the other one was expensive. No, it wasn't. <laughs> How much would you? Uh, I think it was almost six thousand dollars. Ah. Oh yeah, I just have six thousand dollars. <laughs> <laughs> Economy's barely running, I mean, but I got six. six you, grand like these, you like these expensive cars, you know? You oh yeah. Expensive parts. My my Jeep. That's yeah, right. Very expensive. But I do. I mean, it, it is funny because I do remember working. You know, my one of my first jobs in in the automotive in automotive world was working in a little European car shop, just little British cars. And, and you know, there was just shelves and shelves of magazines and yeah. manuals and newsletters from car clubs about what to do with, you know, you, your 78 MGB was doing this, this or this. And the guy that, it was amazing because the guy that owned it was just one of those old dudes that had been working mm. on these cars since they were new. So that the the bookshelf just represented what was inside his head. I still remember um, going to like the family mechanic, you know, when I was like 16, you mm -hmm. know, I had my first car, the pile of crap that it was. Um, it was even with my parents' cars going in, into the garage and then it, it was, you know, it smelled like every old garage, mm -hmm. grease and blood it's probably. It's a great smell. <laughs> it really it's is. a great smell. It smells like an engine. And then you know, it was just a small, dank little office with a desk just covered in paperwork and slips and receipts and everywhere. And then the back wall was just a wall of service manuals, mm -hmm. you know, for like three decades. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Thank God we have computers now. No kidding. <laughs> and I remember there was a, there's a, there's a, you know, great, uh, if you if you're not a fan of, of old car if you're a fan of cars and you don't have a bunch of old car magazines from the 60s and 70s you're missing out you <laughs> really are because that will you know you go through the back of the, the classified ads in the back of those and it's just ads for books that's yeah. all it is and some of them are like you know 50 or 60 dollars in 1960s money yeah when I mean that's and that's and, and and I guess that is that's the the crux of my argument is that you know, when people when people gripe about you know how the internet is ruining cars or how you know new cars are not as easy to work on or they, you, it's it's not as easy for the owners to work on, I'm like, well, it's better than the alternative. It used to be a lot harder. I disagree. I say, way back when. The cars were easier to work on. It was harder to get the information and the parts. to do it. Now, it's easy to get the information. It's just harder to do the actual work. I'll go work. with you on that. Yeah, I'll, you know, I'll completely it, it, agree with you on that. It's just flipped. Yeah, you know? I'll give you 100%. Yeah, like if, if there's something wrong with your brand new 2020 whatever, mm -hmm. you can Google it. Unless it's like a proprietary software like in the ECM or something like that. Mm -hmm. It's out there. You can find it. Someone's had that problem. Or, or whatever, and, and they can, you can fix it. You might need three degrees and $10,000 worth of tools mm -hmm. to fix it, but you can get the information to do it. Where before it was, yeah, you take a hammer and a screwdriver and you can fix 88% of that vehicle. You know, it was just, you did, <laughs> to get the information to what you specifically needed, it was a lot harder. Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I remember there was a, it, it was, uh, um, was the name of that? There was a Ford dealership that opened up near my parents in the '70s, and it was great because 
they were like, well, everybody in this town can own Fords now because it was rural. So if you didn't, you, you the ideally you wanted to buy a car that was easy to work on, and that meant buying a car that was you know, that you could take to a yeah. mechanic or dealer somewhere close to you. So opening up a dealer in the middle of whatever county it was in Virginia, it made it so that everybody would just buy that car by default. But then you're stuck with Ford. Well, no, any, <laughs> any dealership, put any name on it. I mean, yeah. that was the point is that, you know, a lot of little towns became tied to a, a brand of car because yeah. that's where the dealer was. I know that a lot of those guys that go, that, uh, a lot of the guys that like to pick through, you know, old garages and stuff, yeah. they'll, they'll actually map out where old dealerships used to be and then they'll go to the towns where, oh, yeah, yeah. And, then, and kind of search for stuff. And there was a guy that used to do it for, uh, a guy that I worked with and he was a crazy old dude, he was, he was a Pontiac guy. He loved Pontiac. Sorry, not, sorry, not Pontiac, Poncho. Yeah, Poncho. <laughs> anyway, but he knew where all these old dealerships had been up and down the East Coast where, yeah. and the, he knew the big ones, the small ones, the ones that did like, these guys had a race shop, this dealership had a, you know, they did all fleet cars, this dealership did this and that. And he was, and it was great because he said, oh, I, you know, I went up to wherever in Pennsylvania where this Pontiac dealer used to be and I found this rare part or this thing. So it is interesting. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's an anthropological now, as much as anything else, yeah, I guess. Anthromechanical. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I gotta put together. I'm putting together a college course on automotive culture in the yeah. U.S. Yeah, kind of fine old crap. I'm gonna get me, <laughs> bleed you dry. I'm gonna get me a tenureship. But I really, I mean, in the in the in the teeth of, of nothing going on in the automotive industry now, it it is it is kind of interesting to to sort of take. Uh, a view of what is happening in the, the the racing world because this is it's it's fairly unique that just sports in general it's spring and yeah there's, there's, there's no baseball there's no there's yeah. nothing yeah and I and, and of course we live in a part of the country where r- motorsport and racing is is the summer did you watch any of the NASCAR virtual races that I they didn't, did? I didn't, but I'm, I'm, and I'm still trying to find somebody that did. I mean, they said everybody watched it, but I don't know anyone that Me actually turned it on. It sounds horrible. It does. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, I really, and, and of course, one of the things that I, that I, I was going to follow on that with, I do think that this will change a lot of people's approach to cars now because, you know, now we're, this, this distancing thing is going to be in people's heads for a long time. So you don't want to be cooped up in a car with somebody. Yeah. That's a bad idea. You know, you don't want to have, and you don't want to, if you're going to buy a car now, all of a sudden you don't want to spend the afternoon going from dealer to dealer and showroom to showroom. Nobody yeah. wants to do that. So I do think this will, this will change the, the car buying, car shopping experience a little bit. Well, my hope is that this will promote a lot of people to stay at home and work from home. <laughs> so my commute will become that much more easy. So I can have a motorcycle. Right? No. It's <laughs> funny because I, I, I cannot tell you how many people on bikes I've seen out in all of them. Oh, well, yeah. not so much now because people are finally starting to really starting to venture. shape at the bit. But yeah, when this first when this first happened, it was everybody's excuse Woo! to get, get out on motorcycles. <laughs> it was great. And I, I mean... And hey, if we can have more motorcycles and fewer cars on the road, fine with that. Mm. Yeah. Well, I can tell you, you know, uh, you and I both were lucky enough to keep working through all this. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
I'm essential. I'm very important. Oh, get your here. sticker. Yeah, don't forget your sticker. I got you a... I've got... I got a sticker? Yeah. I got a placard from my job. I got like a legit placard from my, from my job to put in there so in case I got pulled over. Oh, I got a letter. I just go, ah, officer. Yeah, I got a letter. I'm nice. essential. That's right. I gotta go. But... But we'll it, when, highlighter over a <laughs> But when uh, you come home, there's nothing on TV. I know. There's no sports. <laughs> all there is is news about how we're all going to die. <laughs> so I've, I've been on YouTube a lot. I've been watching a lot of, lot of off-roading videos mm -hmm. and stuff. And definitely need to get back out west. But it's also given me more time to think about my project vehicles. Mm -hmm. And yeah, my Gladiator. I'm like this close to like, okay. I've been thinking about it for a Actually while. Actually working on it. <laughs> well, no, it's still 900 miles away. <laughs> I'm... I was getting ready just before all this exploded was to ship down my charger. I remember that. I remember you I was going to ship that. it down here and get working on it. And then my job was like, okay, you know, we, we still have enough for, for your full 40 hours, but we're starting to slow down here. So <laughs> we might have to start laying people off a day or two a week. I was like, okay, so not doing the shipping thing. But, um, boy, aren't you glad you don't run like a jet ski dealership or something? Man, now. Dude, down the street from my house, those, I think they're Can-Ams. Yeah. They're like the, the side-by-side -side trike. Road, thing. Yeah. yeah, whatever the hell it is. I can't imagine they're selling a lot of them. So many sitting idle. Right. But my my Gladiator, I'm like this close to making a trail break. I've always said, no, I'm not going to beat it up and stuff. I'm like, fuck it. <laughs> but I, I rebuild the, the, the 304 in it, one tons, cut out the new fenders that we just put in there. It's like, probably won't be able to get much more 38s in there. Mm -hmm. Stretch the, the wheelbase a little bit. And just beat the tar out of it. Now, I'm an engine guy, so I always love when, when people say, like, oh, I'm going to rebuild the motor. That's where I, I, I start listening because, you know, if you're, I, I've been, a, not a part of, but, you know, you, you always love. By rebuild, I mean, I'm just going to put new oil in it and, <laughs> and an air intake. Put cold air intake on it. And she's good to go. I <laughs> gotcha. Well, I was going to say, I do love hearing people, people say rebuild because, you know, you're always like, you always say, okay, now you know you're going to rebuild for what because some people are you know when they say rebuild they say i'm just going to put i'm just going to go through it and make sure it's not going to leak or knock or i'm going to make sure it's going to be good for another what i would love thousand. to do um honestly with, with that truck <clears throat> what i would love to do is do a cummins diesel swap on it oh you've mentioned that yeah yeah i've heard you talk about that. but with that i have to at the very least box the frame there's a lot of pain in the ass work Probably have to go through the transfer box and the the whole thing, yeah, the whole drive line because that engine alone is a thousand eleven hundred pounds. So the forty, the Dana forty four in the front, I gotta get rid of that. I gotta put a, a one at least a sixty in there. Yeah, yeah a one time. I would probably do junkyard because yeah. do in fact like to get a set a, a like a Dana or Dynatrack sixty set, brand new. Custom built to, you know, not custom built, but built to spec how I want it. It's every bit of fifteen to twenty thousand dollars. Uh, folks, you can't see it. You can't see it out there in in the in podcast land. But we are actually sitting on stacks of money. Yes. Right now, I don't. I know. Again, I know you can't see it, folks. But but we're actually we're looking around the piles and piles of money on the floor. So that's why we're having this kind of conversation because we're course, the lucky few. We we didn't. You know, we, we we unfortunately didn't qualify for the relief checks, but. I mean, we're, we are the relief yeah. checks, to be honest. So, you know, <laughs> continue. But yeah, so it would definitely be a set of junkyard axles. Um, 
but it's just so much more work. The mm -hmm. easier route would be just run what I have, mm -hmm. you know. Now, does that thing have a Hotchkiss drive set up on the back where it's okay. leaf sprung? It's all leaf sprung. All leaf sprung? Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, it's all leaf sprung. Um, so, yeah, it, to, to rebuild that motor, if I'm going to do it, I would want to go full on, like get all the, my dial gauges and, and really do it, strip it down, send it out, get it honed and cleaned up professionally at a machine shop, deck yeah. it, do all that. Now, and, maybe I'm naive, a good, when you say trail rig, can you, can you build a good trail rig with leaf? A trail oh, rig, which is like a trail rig? It's a, it's a toilet. Leaf, spring, <laughs> leaf springs? We can, we can do that. We can do that. <laughs> no, oh, there's plenty. I mean, you talk to like some old school guys and leaf sprung is... You know, Jeep died when, when they went to coilovers, <laughs> you know, struts. <clears throat> but, yeah, there's, there's plenty of people that run. You're not going to get as much flex, you yeah. know, and droop and, and stuff and all that. Um, but, yeah, you can do it. It's tough, you know. It's, yeah. You know. And, and, I mean, I'm not going to go crazy with it. If I would, I would do a... I mean, if we're talking total, total dream rig here, <laughs> I would I would cut out the whole... Uh, um, Leaf spring system, and I would do a four link in the back, probably a three link in the front, long arm. Mm -hmm. And there's plenty of kits out there, so I'm sure that there's, I could probably take something for like a Comanche and modify it and make it work mm -hmm. for that. Um, cause I, I can't imagine it carries what frame it's attached to with just some tweaking and you, you can make it work. Yeah. You know, do that. But yeah, the, the engine rebuild, it, it would be do that <clears throat> if need be. I don't think it would need to get bored out because it doesn't burn. Yeah, I guess you, you, for a trail rig, you want big radiator, big fans. Yeah, and know. luckily there's nothing but room in that damn engine bay. Yeah. So, yeah, I put a bigger um, a bigger radiator in there. Um, I wouldn't go crazy with the cam. I know everyone wants, oh, it's got to be big cam and choppy stuff. But Not for a trail rig. I mean, no, because with big cams, you lose that low-end grind, yeah, sure. and that's what you don't want. Sure. So, I, I keep it. You want that... Idle to like 3,000 RPM, that's where you really want things to happen. Yeah, oh yeah, the yeah. lower end, because that's where you are. I mean, yeah. every now and then you might really give it the juice to get up over something, but... Um. Now, what part of it, you know, when you're driving, when you're, you know, you built your trail rig, when you're out, what what is the, what really, uh, how do I ask this, what is the hardest part on the engine of trail riding? I mean, is it just the temperatures, just the fact that the thing has to run uh, all day? Probably. Without moving. Yeah, you know? I would assume it'd just be the heat. Yeah. Because it's not like you're cruising on the highway for 18 hours and, you know, you got all this airflow and stuff. It's just sitting there, just cooking itself. Yeah. I would assume. So a lot of radiators, you know, if you've got an automatic, the transmission radiator. I know a lot of guys will run a power steering radio, uh, cooler. Mm-hmm. Just because uh, you know you're going, you get a big 40s. Now, has the, here's, yeah, has the has the off-road world embraced electric power steer yet? Or are you guys still? Not really, no. Yeah. Because you run such big tires, um, those little arms and stuff, that they... They don't make a motor big enough. A yeah. lot of guys, um, like with Jeeps, they'll... I think it's PSC. They mm -hmm. do a lot of steering stuff, like uh, full hydro, hydraulic assist, everything. Um, they make kits to take out electric steer. Really? I, yeah, I think the new JL comes with an electric steer. I think you, they take that out... And they put in a recirculating ball um, steering box. It seems like the, it's the trail guys would like electric steer because it takes your, that's one less pump your motor has to drive. 
you know, take some of the some of the. It, it from what I understand, it, it's more prone to breakage. Really? Yeah. So what they do is they run the recirculating ball, mm -hmm. and then they'll run a, a hydraulic assist on it. So and, and but it, what do you do when you go to the racetrack? Because it takes, you know. <laughs> we are coming from two different sides of an issue. Here. Yeah. And like I said, that's cool though, because so I guess the recirculating ball, you it's stronger. It's stronger, more lock, you know, more turn. I don't know if it's wheel. more. It, I think it's the same. Yeah. Lock. It's just it's beefier. It's stronger. Um, and then with that hydraulic assist, um, it's. I mean, you, you. I've seen guys with forties against a rock mm -hmm. and the one literally one finger and not moving and they can just lock the lock cool and it just it'll just it'll push the jeep out of the way now where know? are you on the four-wheel steering are you a four-wheel steer guy because i know a lot of these guys with crawlers and the buggies the big, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah big serious off-road guys it's got its place yeah um when does it become necessary like when do you like who i'm gonna put four-wheel steer on this thing i don't know yeah uh, i mean you know, it's it's tough. It's today. There's so many people that want the biggest tire they can stuff in the wheel well, the biggest motor, and they just it doesn't matter what's in front of them. It's a lot of skinny pedal, and they just <laughs> and they go. I was watching a video lot just last night um, on YouTube. It was a bunch of these old dudes, and a couple of them had World War Two Willys Jeeps. Mm -hmm. Like the MBEs and shit, mm -hmm. and then a couple of them had the CJ2, like the 1947 first civilian Jeep, and they were out in Moab, completely stock, original engines, carbureted, and and they were out Lee Sprung, and they're doing you know cliffhanger and and all these these guys have these hundred thousand dollar built Jeeps, and they're doing the same thing. They they're they're going slower, mm -hmm. they're working harder. But they're doing everything those big ass jeeps are doing. Yeah, right? yeah, it's sure. like it makes you question, like, do you really need all that? <laughs> but then on the other side of it, I'm completely, I'm all about novelty. It's like, just I don't, I don't need something to do 200 miles an hour. Mm. Why it? <laughs> you know, <laughs> of course. And I love, I'm a jeep guy. I love jeeps. I want a gladiator with 40s. And you know, go to the mall. <laughs> I'm okay with that. I'm really okay with that. It's not all about necessity. It's gotta look good. It's gotta look yeah. cool. What's the point of having something if it's strictly functional? Yeah. You know, we wouldn't have anything we have today if we, we did that. So. Yeah. No, but, true. You're 100. percent Yeah. Yeah. You're absolutely right. I'm, I'm a you know big form form following function guy. In mm -hmm. My builds too. Uh, I mean, I, um, I really think that a lot of the you know a lot of the guys. And again, I, I know I've said this before, I grew up reading, you know, you grew up reading Peterson's and that was yeah. like, you know, most of the, most of the four wheel drives from the era when I was a kid were, were perfect. I mean, they, they were, they were, they were garage built. agricultural. Yeah, sure. Yeah. They were tool room built. You know, they, they were the farthest thing from show ponies, but then, you know, you really appreciated the guys that had like the big <clears throat> painted up chrome trucks. Cause you knew that took a lot of time in yeah. your own shop. You know, there were very few, there were, there were some off-road shops back then, but now you can do it through a dealer. Yeah. You know, everything that you can have, a, you can buy a truck that looks like that. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, that, that, that was, that was really cool because first of all, the, the, what I really appreciated about it was the fact that, that trucks back then didn't get that kind of care. Yeah. You know, old square body Chevys from the seventies when I was a kid, 
You couldn't give them away. Yeah. I mean, they get the stuff kicked out of them. Now they are treasured classics, and you can build one and have a catalog. Yep. But it's tough. It's it's tough finding, and that's what and I really like seeing old trucks and four wheel drives that have been, you know, kind of in the same town or in the same kind of couple of counties for their whole lives, and they're not. You know, they're, they're not in great shape. They're still yeah. being used, though. Yeah, yeah. You know, they're still out driving around. Yep. And I saw one the other day. There was a guy that has um, a mid-70s Dodge pickup truck. Um, and I think those were the ones that were made out of um, old coffee filters and recycled uh, lengths of chain. <laughs> they were really poorly made. But this thing is, it's rusted. Yeah. It's the, it needs paint, but it's there. You know, the hood ornament is still there. Yeah. The wheels are still there. You know, the guy has kept it from day one. Yeah. But he hasn't, you know, it, it isn't something that's been garaged, you know, it's not a perfect show pony. I saw on the highway just the other night coming home from work, <clears throat> it was a Ford 250. I don't know if it was, I think it was early 90s. It was mm -hmm. more or less square body, mm -hmm. but it had, it was like plastic mirrors. Yeah. So it's kind of that in between of the curvy 90s and, and square <laughs> 80s, but it, it was rusted to hell. He was pulling the boat and he was doing like 70 on the highway. I don't know why or how. <laughs> the body panels were so rusted, like the, the rear quarter pendle. Handle. panel above the uh, the rear wheel uh, arch it was rusted almost to the top of the bed mm -hmm. it was just like this little strip like two inch strip of metal <laughs> holding it on and all four quarter panels the front fenders the rear bite side they all flapped in the wind like a fucking <laughs> like a tablecloth and this dude is just oh, oh my god that's I think it was South Carolina because they don't have inspection or anything there. <laughs> How the hell? <laughs> I, think, I, think, I think you have just put a lot of that in perspective. I was wondering, <laughs> where did he see this? Uh, oh, okay. That well, I nice. work <laughs> southern Charlotte. I'm literally... Sure. I'm, You're on the border. As the crow flies, I got up at exit one. I mean, from where I work, there you go. with a good stiff wind, I can spit and it sticks <laughs> on, you know? So... Yeah, that's. I'm pretty sure that's. Where, and he was going north, so I'm pretty sure that's where he came from. Mm -hmm. My God. Yeah. <laughs> well, there is. I mean, there is a lot, and I, I, I know that there, there are a lot of people that st pickup trucks are. You know, a, that's a personal issue, and there are still people that could just they just get married to their trucks. You know, they'll it's never. That. They'll. <laughs> it, it will be. They don't take care of it, but they'll never sell it. Yeah. It, it'll just be there. But I, you know. And, and those are great. And that's that's a segment of the population that I tip my hat to. Yeah. But you know, the, when it's a danger to everyone around you, <laughs> you and I have been have, have spent time in New England. We know that the, there's consequences of rust. Uh, I just <laughs> used to talk about that having a northern vehicle. I took uh, I got new tires put on my car. Uh -huh. I took it to my buddy um, where he works. And he he did all the work. So he's good friends with the, his boss, so they let me go back in the shop. Yeah. And I was talking with him. He puts it on the rack, and he just, he, he looks underneath, just give it a once-over, and he goes, what the hell? I drive a 2015, so it's five years old, which is it's still a pretty young car it's these not, days. Yeah, not old. 
the underside, the outside, it, it's, I got almost 100,000 miles on mm -hmm. it. So it, it's a lot of highway mileage. It, it's not perfect paint, but it's still, it's a nice looking car. Mm -hmm. The underside, it's nothing but rust. Really? It's not rotted, but everything is a thick layer of rust. <laughs> Flash there. rust all over yeah, the thing. The, the, the exhaust is just rusted, oh, just brown, yeah. and, and everything under every control arm, it, everything has rust on it. <laughs> like, Fuck the north, man. <laughs> <laughs> It's funny you mentioned that because whenever someone mentions like the underside of a car being rotted out yeah. for some reason, I don't know why this is. I my there's there's a connection in my brain between the old rotted out cars and the movie Uncle Buck with John Candy. <laughs> Just a loop it due to a callback to the first part of the episode. That was uh, for some reason that, that old fiery Lincoln that he's driving around. <laughs> yeah, I've, that just that was that's like when I see that I'm like. That's rust. That's what a rusted car looks <laughs> there like. You go. Yep. Every rusted car is an old Lincoln. End of story. And it's funny because I do, of course, and, and I don't know if you have taken, if you have done the same thing I have since the shutdown, I've been playing my favorite sport, which is going to look at old cars. And it's great to live in the South because going to look at old cars is the easiest game in the world. Like and online I, or actually going? Oh, just, just going. You know, you just get in, your, get in your car, cruise around little towns, go to little side streets because everybody's got something in the yard. Yeah. Uh, there's a guy over in uh, over in Mooresville, actually. He's got a mid '50s Packard. It's the coolest thing ever. It's just sitting under a little carport. I've been I've it's been got, noticing got a for sale sign in the window, like it's an old Toyota. Yeah, know? I haven't done that, but I you know looking online, I'm always on Craigslist and stuff like that. There's fewer and fewer and fewer being sold. I don't know if people are afraid of having people come to their house or whatnot, but the people stop selling stuff. Really? Yeah. I think I, think, I, I don't know. I, I think people are still willing to sell their cars, but they may be willing, they may be a little cagey about, you know, inviting people to I don't know, I do my, my usual searches, and I get a fraction of what's really up to, yeah. Because I was going to say that uh, I was out the other day, and I was somewhere near, somewhere near the mall. I know I was somewhere, oh, okay. I, yeah, it doesn't really, because, you know, they have a, the problem with, <laughs> the problem with playing this game is that you have to have a photographic memory. Because I couldn't tell you where I was, and I couldn't just, get back there. Just take your phone out and drop a pen and say that. I should have done that. But anyway, um, late 80s Jeep two-door Cherokee. Okay. Nothing, again, not not the most respected car on the planet, not a collector vehicle. Oh, you're talking to the wrong people then. But... That four-liter? Really nice shape. I don't know. You know, I didn't. It was one of those cars that I drove past, and then I got a mile down the road, and remember, I, sh and I thought I should have stopped and looked at it. But oh, okay, you just drive you know, by. It was something that you know, and I was I, I got to thinking about it because it was just it was just like in the context of that moment, it was just another car in another yard. Yeah. But then I realized I was thinking about it, it's a it was a rust free Jeep with the original, and it looked bone stock, like someone had pushed it out of a dealership That's onto this guy's yard. And if it's got a, big money tires on it, then it's been beaten. Exactly, and this one was just still stock little tires, yeah. stock little wheels, you know, nothing changed, no bumper stickers. And it was a two-door? Yeah, it was very, yeah, exactly. And that, and, that, and it was one of those cars that I just drove right past, and I kind of glanced at it, it was like, that's cool. And then I got, you know, on the way, yeah, on the way yeah. home, and I was like, you know what, that was, not just cool, I, that was interesting. Yeah. You know, because up in New England, you don't, you, you wouldn't see that. That old stuff, no. Uh -uh. Our old stuff is, you might get into the mid-90s, mm -hmm. maybe, but most of it's all 2000 stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's all beat to hell. It's all rotted. 
be, and we have missions and safety inspections. So old stuff doesn't last. Nope. You know, because no one's gonna spend the money to keep a 1998, you know, whatever <laughs> on the road. They're just not gonna. You know? I love my forest stuff. Yeah, right. <laughs> Ship them to Vermont. They'll they'll take care of it. <laughs> Oh God! So it was probably a couple of weeks ago. We had a little text message conversation about you selling your car and wanting to get something. Well, I was old enough to be in World War II. It was the, the thing about it was, you know, if, you, if you're a collector car guy, one of the things you love doing is keeping an eye on the market. Yeah. And of course, there are eras of cars that will be strong. Think like, I don't know, mid '90s Japanese cars. Now, you know. If you've got if you've got a if you've got a, a ninety five Supra in good shape yeah. with the original engine and a manual box, there's your retirement. Exactly, <laughs> you know, you're gonna pay you're gonna sell it for what you paid for it. But if you have a mid fifties Chevy that's not in great shape, maybe it you know runs and drives, maybe it was restored in the nineties. You know, mm-hmm. somebody took it apart, put it back together in the nineties, so it's got twenty year old paint. It's an older restoration, but it's not a bad car. You know, there's no rust in it. There's it, it runs and drives. Yeah. It's not like it needs a restoration. But those cars are really getting soft. I think those immediate post-war to like mid-60s cars, especially like, you know, the, the higher-end stuff, Chrysler's and the Cadillacs, because the parts are just, you know, if you need trim or a bumper, forget it. Yeah. You might as well make it on. But, you know, if you're willing to shop for like, Again, a Chevy, you know, just a fifty, a mid fifties Chevy, or a Buick, Oldsmobile, Dodge, you know, something that that was common back then, and maybe doesn't get a lot of love from the collector market now, yeah, because it's not a Hemi car, yeah, yeah, a, yeah. You, know, you can get those relatively cheap. Depends what it is, exactly. But yeah, yeah. Uh, and four I, doors now are the way to go, exactly. And even those, those exactly. are starting to go up, yeah, because like you can get. What is it? Uh, Chevy was a two ten or one fifty. Mm-hmm. Not the Bel Air, but the, the exactly. two level down below it. The four doors used to be able to get those dirt cheap. Even those are starting to inch their way up. Yeah. Because the Bel Airs are just so astronomical. And I remember in the when I was uh, growing up in the nineties buying car magazines. You know, you'd see fifties uh, DeSotos. Yeah. DeSoto because you know they were they were rare. They they DeSoto had ended production in the mid fifties. Yeah. So. Everybody that had one, even if it didn't have a Hemi in it, or even if it wasn't, yeah, yeah. you know, there, there was money to be made in them. But now, you know. Now, see, you, you keep talking about all these old, really cool cars. In this text message conversation we had, you said you were eyeing a 90 something Prowler. That will, How the hell that get I'm saying that's, that, <laughs> that's, gonna, that's, the next, that's one of the next ones. In a few years, in, in the next couple of generations, when people forget about those, because who's buying those now? The only people buying those now are dudes that remember having old street rides in the 80s. You know, old guys. Yeah. And they're not great cars. The automatic only. Yeah, yeah. V6. You can't do money. You can't swap them. Well, you can, but it's hard. Narrow. Yeah. They're they're almost hand built. You know, they're there's not all about there's not a lot about them that's production. So, so you're saying the the reason people buy them now is because they had the old hot rods. Well, I'm saying that, that the market will forget about them for a while. Yeah. They'll go through their, their trough. Yeah. And it's going to happen with a lot of... It, 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 it happened with Vipers for a minute or so. They got soft, and now they're coming back. Yeah. It's going to happen with those Prowlers because they didn't make many. They weren't good cars, shitty interiors, 
they were interesting, but if, but if, if you it, it didn't have people that. are the people that want Teslas are not going to want those things. Yeah, the people that like like if you're if you're yeah, if you're a coming of age car guy now, in another 10, 20 years, you're probably going to want one of the C8 Corvettes. You might want like an R35 GTR, but you're not going to want a Prowler. Cause, yeah, you, you know, it's exactly. Old, no one wants a Prowler. So that's <laughs> and that's that's when I step in because that's when the values go. <laughs> they've already gone. <laughs> Yeah, I know. That's what I'm saying. They, they, they're, now they're, if you want a good running one, mid-20s. They're still that expensive. Yeah. But I'm saying, exactly. I'm saying it, let, it, let it go for another cycle, and then you're going to see the $7,500 you know, Prowler that doesn't have a lot of miles on it. still an okay car as a car, but no one wants it. It probably it might need paint. It yeah. might, you know, the seat might be ripped, that kind of thing. And getting parts for it is going to be near impossible. Well, that's, hey, you know what? That's another game you have to like to play. If you're going <laughs> to, if you want to own an old car. Yeah, you come from you old, gotta old Maserati parts crap, so. You got to love the old parts game. You just got to know who to call. Mm. Now, I'm not saying, and I'm not even, I, I don't really, I don't really want a Prowler, to be brutally honest, but I'm just, that yeah, that's not what you cars. said. You said you were looking to buy one to daily drive it. Well, that was one of the cars that I was thinking about as an example of the pattern. Yeah, you went from like because what I really like what I'm really 50s after is a mid fifties, yeah, yeah after like, like a mid fifties sedan, and then you exactly. come out with a Prowler, but, uh, yeah, like, exactly, because the Prowlers <laughs> that, that's going to happen to them, you know, it, that's that's coming, that is coming. That's a bold them. prediction. I, I I almost guarantee it. I think you're going to lose your shirt now. Well, I didn't make any bets <laughs> on it, but the the point was that that the the market for the mid fifties cars, the ones that you know are not. They're not rotted out. They're not pulling. You're not pulling them out of barns. You're not pulling them out of junkyards. You know, it's someone that had the car. It's probably had four or five owners. It's been worked on, restored. Maybe had an engine swap, that kind of thing. But as a car, you can still get in it, crank it up. Good brakes, good tires, steering's tight, engine's got plenty of life left. You know, you can drive it. It's not something that you're going to take to a show and win awards with because. It might have a dent or two, or yeah. it needs a bumper or whatever. I mean, anything's possible. But it's not something that's totally clapped out, and you have to go home and take the motor out. I, I don't think there's going to be that big. It, it might get like a cult following, but I don't think it's going to get much beyond that. What for the? Prowler. Well, exactly. Yeah, I mean, yeah. The, the whole car. Well, that's the thing. As we go into the future, there are that what there are that many more cars around, yeah. you know, for people to obsess over. But I, you know, I'm thinking that's. One of the reasons but it's that not going to be one of those old cars where you look back in fifty years and be like, "Oh man, you know, I I used to see these on the road and I love them. Garbage. I, I gotta get one. Yeah, they were garbage cars. Man, that thing's still around. Exactly. Holy crap. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna have the same reaction to them as, as K cars. Now, you know, those are going up. I know. I, well, I don't know if they still are, but like last year, <laughs> it was some kind of like it's got to be hipsters. It's always hipsters. Oh, it always is. But I'm saying that's gonna that will happen to the prowler. It will be but even horrified then, and then But forgotten. even then, I mean those things those K cars were my friend, she had one in high school, it was baby blue, mm-hmm. probably late eighties, early nineties. Mm-hmm. She got it for like five hundred bucks. It died. Completely died. It destroyed it. I can't imagine anyone ever paying more than five hundred dollars for one of those. All right, folks, we are going to take a quick break and find something else to talk about other than K-Cars. Thank you for hanging around.